Good morning, everybody. Here with me in the uh, Northville Sanctuary, those of you who join us online and join us from Farmington Hills, good morning to you. Uh, today is the first Sunday in December, and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. This is the final month of 2022, and I want to thank you for your uh, generous financial giving to and through Ward Church and for the ways that you have prayed faithfully for your church and for your community and the ways you have volunteered uh, so generously your time and your talents over these past 12 months. This year, we have expanded our local reach now to two campuses, uh, relaunching a renewed work in Farmington Hills. Uh, our, uh, uh, we've expanded our global reach by the addition of several global partners, most of whom were part of the Farmington Hills Grace Chapel Church before Grace Chapel was adopted back into Ward. Our food distribution program is serving more people than ever. Sunday morning engagement is the highest it has been since the pandemic. Our middle school program is exploding and has outgrown their meeting space. And our uh, mission team to Morocco and Spain returned last weekend, and they have come home with lots of ideas about how we can better engage the fight against human trafficking. So we have a lot to look forward to in 2023. I do need to call your attention to the fact that we are currently behind our budget. In the old days, by old days I mean circa 2020, uh, when you came to church, you received a paper bulletin that had a little financial update at the bottom. That little financial update now appears at the bottom of each weekly newsletter. And it says today that we are 212000 um, behind budget, 212000 And we're just about halfway through the church program fiscal year, 212000 as of today. So if giving remains on the same pace for the remaining uh, seven months of the fiscal year, uh, we'll be facing a, a budget deficit of nearly $500,000, uh, which represents about 10% lower than expected, 10% off plan. That's what that means for us. So uh, I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us this next month, uh, not only to close the gap, but to start the new year strong. Uh, the gap sounds big, it is big, but if we each do something, uh, we can not only make up uh, the gap, but, uh, but we won't have to curtail plans or programs. So you may give in all the usual ways that you give or go to ward.church slash make it happen. That's ward.church uh, ward slash make hyphen it hyphen happen. Make it happen. Ward.church slash make it happen. And uh, please consider making a year-end gift to help us finish strong. And gifts of all size are much appreciated. Uh, let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for the ministry you have entrusted to us. You are the God of provision and we are your stewards. We continue to pray your blessing on our community, region, nation, and world. Work in us and through us for your purposes and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we continue our Advent series, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we're looking at the story of Christmas through the angels of Christmas. Angels are popping up all throughout the Christmas story. Now, if you've never paid much attention to the angels of Christmas, that is quite all right. Angels are not the most important characters of Christmas. Angels are, for the most part, messengers. 
That's what the word angel means, messenger, and it's the message of the angels that's important. Angels are messengers from God sent to herald good news. Now, last week, we saw how the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple and promised that his wife would bear a child who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And you remember, Zechariah had a hard time believing this because he was old and his wife was well along in years. Now, in Luke chapter 1, the scene is going to shift here, and the angel Gabriel leaves the holy temple in Jerusalem and goes to an obscure village in a remote area. He leaves the well-known priest and appears to an unknown peasant. He was talking to an old man, and now he talks to a young woman. He goes from Zechariah to Mary. Now, there's some striking similarities between what happened to Zechariah and what happens to Mary. Both of them were spoken to by the angel Gabriel. Both are made what seems to be an impossible promise about a child. One child will be filled with the Spirit before he's born, and one child will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And both of these promises come with a sign. Now, there's where the similarities end. Mary is a young teenager from a podunk town called Nazareth in the region of Galilee, and she is betrothed to a builder, a carpenter perhaps, named Joseph. And engagement meant more then than it does today. It was a binding contract. To be betrothed or engaged was a binding contract, the breach of which would be considered adultery. To get out of it, you had to actually initiate divorce proceedings. So betrothed couples had many of the responsibilities of marriage without the privileges of marriage. Now, like Zechariah, Mary is going about her normal day when she is surprised by an angel, and today we want to break down the message of that angel. The message of the angel is what matters. So let's look at the message of the angel, and the angel begins with a greeting, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Wait, let's go back and look at that greeting again. Go back one more. That's a nice greeting, is it not? You who are highly favored? When's the last time somebody greeted you that way? (laughs) You who are highly favored? The Lord is with you? Uh, That's a great greeting from anybody, much less an angel. That's a very nice greeting. So why does the next line say... Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Why would she be troubled at that very nice greeting? Because Mary is wise beyond her years. And she knows that when someone greets you as highly favored, they're probably going to ask you for something. Sometimes I'll invite a guy in our church out to lunch. My intent is just to get to know a member of our church better. But the guys always seem a little suspicious. Uh, <laughs> You're just inviting me to lunch. Uh, You're going to ask me to volunteer for something, aren't you? You're going to put me on some church committee, aren't you? Uh, No, no, it's really just lunch. And uh, if it makes you feel better, you can pay. Um, (laughs) Mary is suspicious. She's worried about what the angel is going to say, and she ought to be. Here's what the angel said. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
This is the good news given by an angel to a teenage girl. Now, good news doesn't always sound like good news initially. Mary can't wrap her mind around what the angel has said. What does this mean? Is this good news for the world? Is it good news for me? What does this mean for my life? I love the fact that the angel announced news because at the core of what Christians believe is news. News that is both good and objective. As Tim Keller succinctly puts it, the gospel is good news, not good advice. The gospel is good news. It's something that happens, news is what happens regardless of your involvement. It is objective. The announcement of the gospel is that in Jesus, God is reconciling the world to himself. God is up to something new. This is news. It is good news. Now, the angelic pronouncement contains a massive theological claim. This is a massive theological claim that we might uh, miss. Let's look at what the angel said. This baby will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And again, the angel said, the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God. This baby, this promised baby, will be the Son of God. This mysterious Messiah of the Old Testament for which people had long awaited will actually be God in flesh. God incarnate, God in human form, born of a woman, fully human, born of God, fully divine. Humanity and divinity co-mingled in the same person. This is unique. This had never happened before, and it has never happened since. This is a massive theological claim. This baby, this Savior, will be the God-man. There's also a massive political claim here. Uh, Let's look at uh, what the angel said here. Uh, It's very important to them that the baby is born of the line of David, the line of King David. Easy for us to miss. Would have been much harder for them to miss the link to King David. The Lord will give you, uh, will give him the throne of his father David And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This baby will be a king. Now, we tend to over-spiritualize the gospel, and we think what God wants to be control over is that little spiritual part of your life. All those compartments of your life that God wants the spiritual compartment, when really what the gospel says is that God is ruler of all. The the whole world will be affected by Christmas, not just some little part of your life. This affects everything. It it, it is spiritual. It's political. Um, It's dangerous. Uh, This is what N.T. Wright uh, says in his little commentary on Luke. As with a good deal of the New Testament language about Jesus, this is both a huge theological claim. What's the theological claim? That Jesus is somehow identified with God in a unique way which people then and now find it hard to grasp and believe. That's a theological claim and a huge political claim. Jesus is the true ruler of the world in a way which leaves Caesar and the powers of the world today a long way behind. This is good news, but it is dangerous news. The whole world will be turned upside down because of Christmas. 
shortly after this passage here, later in the same chapter one, Mary sings a song. And the words of Mary's song, the lyrics contained in the Bible, have been set to music by a variety of composers, including Bach. And this song is sometimes called the Magnificat because Mary's song begins with the line, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, magnifies, magnificat in Latin. Uh, It's a worship song. It's a praise song. You could consider Mary's song the very first Christmas carol. The very first Christmas carol was sung by none other than the mother of the Christmas child. Now, curiously, in the 1980s, the government of Guatemala banned the Magnificat. It was illegal to recite Mary's song in public. Now, why would they do that? Why would they ban Mary's song? If you're going to ban a Christmas song, uh, why wouldn't you ban Little Drummer Boy or Santa Baby? Uh, You know, those songs deserve to be banned. Uh, Why did they ban Mary's song? Because the government thought Mary's song was subversive. In Mary's song, she talks a lot about how God raises up the humble and brings down the proud. She's thinking, of course, of her own experience. She, the humble Mary, a teenager, undeserving, God has lifted me up in my estate. God raises up the humble and God brings down the proud. And the government in the 1980s in Guatemala was concerned that if people read these words, especially Uh, disenfranchised people, marginalized people, oppressed people. If people read these words, if they really understood what God was up to, it might give hope to the hopeless. It might incite them not just to hope, but to action. Look at one of the lines from Mary's song. This is one line. He has scattered, God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. This is a dangerous song, Mary. This song is going to get somebody killed. This song is going to turn everything on its ear. This is dangerous. This is, this is one brave young woman. This is a woman with some chutzpah. But not only is she brave, uh, she is responsive. She's responsive. We've looked at the angel's message. Now let's look at Mary's response. The angel's message and then Mary's response. Mary says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Very fair question. And her question is not doubt, the way Zachariah's question was. It's just confusion. Mary says, well, how is this going to work? This this is not the way my mom told me the baby thing works. Uh, What's going to happen here? There's this beautiful Christmas song that uh, my whole family loves. Mary, did you know... There is no way that Mary could have known all that would happen to her, all that Jesus would become. There's no way she could know, but even though she did not know all the details, she submitted herself to it. And this is the most beautiful line in the whole story. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary submits her life and her will to the life and will of her heavenly father. She doesn't know all the details, and yet she surrenders her will. She accepts her assignment. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What a model to those of us who follow. 
the faith of Mary, the receptivity of Mary. Now this brings us to the next scene in Luke chapter 1. The angel said that she would be given a sign. Her cousin Elizabeth is also experiencing a miracle. She was pregnant in her old age. Remember that from last week? And Mary might have thought, perhaps my cousin Elizabeth will understand. And so she packs up her bags and she travels to the hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth and her husband, uh, Zechariah the priest, whose story we looked at last week. It would have been about a four-day journey for Mary to make. And so Mary had some time to think about this. What would her cousin Elizabeth say to Mary? Would she believe the story that Mary's about to tell her older cousin? Maybe she even constructed a speech on her way, but she didn't need it. Here's the story from Luke chapter 1, a part we didn't get to this morning. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, this is so great, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. She's talking to Mary. And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now this had to be a great moment of confirmation for the young Mary. She's terrified. She doesn't know what Elizabeth is going to think. She doesn't know what the world is going to think. And she had to feel like a weight was lifted off her shoulders. I'm not crazy. God really is in control. And God uses the elder Elizabeth to come alongside the younger Mary and help her clarify who she is and what she's called to do and who this baby is that she carries. You will notice in the Christmas story kind of a four-point progression. You know, there's first of all... um, the call. An angel comes to Mary and says, you will, be, you will have a baby and he will be son of the most high. And that's always followed by confusion. How can that be? I, I'm a virgin. And that was followed in Mary's story uh, by cooperation. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then usually it's followed by confirmation. Elizabeth confirms that, she, that Mary's not crazy and this is a call from God. And once you see this four-point progression in Mary's story, you see it in nearly every character of the Christmas cast. And then you begin to see it in nearly every hero of the Bible. This is Moses at the burning bush. God comes to Moses and says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and free my people from slavery. Moses gives a laundry list of all kinds of reasons why he can't do it. Ultimately, he says, uh, here I am. I will go, and confirmation, God brings uh, the brother of Moses, Aaron, around him, and they go as a team. You may even see this in Jesus in some ways. Jesus is called and baptized. There's this moment where Jesus says, curiously, God, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass from me. But then Jesus said, not my will, Father, but your will. And there's confirmation because God the Father raises Jesus from the dead on the third day. You will see this four-point progression in the characters of Christmas, in the people of the Bible, in people that you respect, and you will occasionally see it in yourself. And you might see this progression in your own life this Advent. This might happen to you this week. 
Really, I, I think it will. Uh, sometime this week, God is going to give you a call. God's going to ask you to do something. It might be through an angel. It might not. It might be through an inner voice. It might be through somebody else. But God, this week, is going to ask you to do something. And if you're like most people, you will follow with confusion. Am I the right person, God? Uh, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. There'll be some confusion. And then if you have the faith of Mary, you will eventually cooperate and say, as Mary did, uh, your will be done. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. There'll be cooperation. And then absolutely God's going to bring you confirmation that this is in fact God's call. This is going to happen this week. It's going to happen this Advent. This is the way our God seems to work. So, be like Mary. Be humble. Be receptive. Be brave. Be available. Be a servant. Magnify the Lord. Celebrate God's movement in history. And love Jesus. It's interesting that we see this pattern in the Christmas story that God chose to work through people because God didn't have to. God could have accomplished salvation in another way, but God chose to work through a young couple named Mary and Joseph. God chose to draw into the story an old couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. God chose to draw into the story shepherds and wise men, and God chose to enter the world as a fragile human baby. Humility, power, sacrifice, Wisdom, all on full display at the manger. All present in the story of Christmas. May it continue to be so. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for the brave and humble witness of Mary, who didn't magnify her problems, but magnified her God who glorified God with her life as well as her lips, who surrendered her will to your will. Help us to live obediently and humbly with our eyes, hands, and hearts wide open. We are your servants, Lord. Let it be to us as you say. This we pray in the name of the Christmas child, Jesus, our Savior and Lord, and the church said together, amen. Amen.